part of being a production designer is you have to think globally. It's not like the world according to my department. You have to be appreciative of all the aspects of making a movie. You know, be willing to compromise, but fight the good fight. Both things are, you know, equally important. Hey everyone, welcome to Call Sheet, a podcast about film production and the boots on the ground work of below the line crew. If you work in physical production in any department, this show's for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey folks, today on the show, we're going to dive deep into production design. Once again, we're your hosts, Bryce Sirier and Kiku Terasaki. Hey there, Kiku. Bonjour. So I'm super excited. Our guest is a veteran production designer named Rusty Smith. Rusty brings a great breadth of experience across multiple platforms, having designed for many theatrical features as well as series and miniseries for television. Rusty has production designed several really terrific comedies. Among my favorites, Elf, Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and Austin Powers, Gold Member and was nominated for an Emmy for the HBO period Baseball Saga 61 with an asterisk that was directed by Billy Crystal. Most recently, production designed the great horror thriller Get Out. He's a member of the Motion Picture Academy and was nominated by the Art Directors Guild for Excellence in Production Design for Get Out, which I think in part must have been a recognition of his achievements in production designing a film that had a minuscule budget of $4.5 million and ended up making over $200 million at the box office. As a production designer, he heads one of the two largest departments on a production, so his job is both creative and managerial. We're looking forward to hearing how he does all of it. Welcome, Rusty. Hi there. So we always start with the same question, which is, how did you get into the business? Well, I took a drama class by accident in high school as an elective, and I got totally bitten by the acting bug. And that was what I was gonna do. I was gonna be an actor. Now I should preface this by saying, I have been drawing since I was three years old. I have a gift, and I think it is from my mom, that I can represent on paper pretty much anything that comes into my head. And I took that skill, and what happened was, in addition to acting in the plays, I had to build all the sets. So when I got into college, I needed a work-study job, and I became the shop supervisor. And I had a fantastic mentor at Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina, named Rhett Bryson, who really changed the course of my life. And he took me aside one day, and he said that, you're the first student I had who I could say to you, you could be a professional designer, but I cannot tell you that about your acting. And I was crushed. And of course, at that moment, you know, that's, it's like a turning point moment. And so he submitted me for uh, the American College Theater Festival Award as an undergraduate for a project I designed. And I won. I won like nationwide over like graduate students or somehow, I don't know how that happened. But part of the benefit of that was that you got to go to New York and meet professionals as part of a gift from the, uh, that award. So I went there and I met Ming Cho Lee, who is the teacher at Yale, and he was he suggested that I apply to Yale for grad school, and I'm like, are you crazy? Like I never, and so I uh, I eventually it took two times, but I got in. It's very competitive and difficult, and while I was there, 
I thought like, I'm going to Broadway, I'm gonna like do theater, blah, blah, blah. And we had a meet and greet, like the Yaley Mafia is pretty intense. And uh, I met a production designer at a luncheon named Mel Bourne. And Mel Bourne was the, uh, you know, seminal production designer of like, the, he was the, the Woody Allen guy. He did Manhattan and all of these amazing movies. And I was mesmerized. And I, when I moved to New York, right after I graduated, I went right for a production designer to assist somebody. I needed to learn. And so I started working on commercials and that's how, how I got into it. My first day ever on a set was uh, a commercial for Jell-O that had Bill Cosby in it and the cinematographer was Gordon Willis. And wow. ultimately it led to like the first film that I got to work on in 1987. And that journey, it, there was no program for it. You know what I mean? At that time, uh, programs have developed since then uh, to educate people. But I like it was it was like you go out and you go to work. Like Stephen Hendrickson took me under his wing as a production designer, and Bill Groom, who is a production designer for uh, League of Their Own, which was another job that totally by accident I happened to get on, which was like just transformative. And so the people that you meet and like the connections that you make like that, that that's what really carried me forward into this. Wow. That's amazing. What is it that you love most about production design and working in this space? I make dreams come true. <laughs> it's funny. I, I get emotional about it, but uh, that's my job. It's about making a vision come to life. And you get it from the page, you get it from the script, and uh, you get that guidance, uh, hopefully from a really good director. But then my job is to figure out where do you go? How do you represent that? Like, you know, it starts with sometimes with location scouting. It, it, it starts with a lot of research. It depends on the material. But, but that the making dreams come alive, that's the thrilling part of what I do. That's wonderful. It's especially wonderful that you can say this after decades in this business, which is tough. It's demanding. It's never guaranteed, right? No, yeah. A lot of my friends are like, like I'm retiring, man. I'm like, retiring? I have no concept of retiring. I, hell, I, I grew up on a farm, man. You know, all my <laughs> men, we, we die in the field. That's how I want to go. Like, I'm not stopping doing this, you, you know the industry will stop you. Right. They just won't hire you, you know, right. but I, uh, I, I love it. I just love pretty much every aspect of it. Wow. I love seeing the emotion behind it for you, all that passion and, and purpose that you put into your work. I think that's so great, man. Can you walk us through what are your first steps when you start a project from conceptualizing to planning the logistics, hiring your team? What is your process? Well, the, I think the most important thing, and, and sometimes it comes from me and sometimes it comes from the director, but you want to present like a, an approach, you know, and a lot of that comes with reference and research and a lot of that I do on my own. And so the first thing you want to do is make sure you're clear on, with the director what the imagery is that you are striving to achieve. And then after that, very quickly, if it's a movie that's going into production, they're going to tell you either A, where you're going to go make it, or B, you got to figure out where you're going to make it. And once you agree upon the vision, it enters into the phase that I am, frankly, I'm excited about every phase of what I do. But location scouting is particularly 
thrilling to me because it takes you places like that are exotic or like that you would never get to go in your regular life uh, unless you travel. But I get traveled, you know, and I have been fortunate enough in my career to, I think I tried to calculate it once I worked in 25 of the states and I worked in uh, Paris, Prague, New Zealand, and half of my career in Canada, uh, all over the, the, you know, the whole country. I, I sometimes think that the only reason I got get out was that uh, the producers who I had met for a previous project said, hey, will you get on a plane to Alabama on Monday? And I was like, yeah, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> so after that, you know, once you figure out where you're making a movie, then you got to crew up. It is sometimes about an arsenal of friends that you have in different districts or countries or states or whatever, you know, uh, you know, you make those phone calls and you find people. And sometimes you get to meet new people, but then you have to vet those people. So it is a bit of a journey. And uh, sometimes a frustrating thing uh, a lot about crew is that uh, the studio is not going to let you bring anybody. And because we have become such a decentralized industry, you know, there's now a lot of crew everywhere. You just have to find the right people, then you get going. And so there is a hierarchy and a process and all of that uh, has to be adhered to uh, no matter what. How do you think about and delegate and work with your team, meaning the art director and the set decorator who are directly under you and have very different kinds of responsibilities? What you really want to do is make sure you hire somebody who's probably better than you, you know, who's really so good at their job. They kind of, maybe they don't need you. But, and like I, it, it took me years to learn to pull kind of my ego slightly out of that equation. But also they, you have to get along with them. So there's so many factors in, in like meeting another human being and like realizing that this is somebody I want to be with for six months and I want to work with and I have to like see every day. Uh, that's really tricky and it's very personal. It's like getting married. You know, it's like a little marriage and you just have to be very smart and intelligent about it. You have to vet people. You have to like call other people. You, 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 you're putting a lot of faith. In, in somebody. And if you're lucky enough, those situations where there's a partnership, and I've always been on, in awe of those that last for, you know, many, many, many years, those are really strong because you have like a secondhand language. You have somebody that you know, and it's just really not like that anymore. It's constantly like you're thrown into the field. You got to meet somebody new. You got to figure out your path, your communication, and then get through it. You just got to find people who are on the same page as you. Totally. For our listeners who might not know, could you distinguish between the roles of production designer and art director as far as the responsibilities in that working relationship? Well, an art director, it's very technical. The art director has to be watching the budget, watching the staff. You know, they run the office. And I handle aesthetics. I handle the director. And I ha I'm responsible for the budget and the staff, but the art director is really the manager. The, the position is so important. So the art director in, a, in some ways is parallel to the UPM, yeah? Yes, I think it's just most important for, to be responsible. You know, you, you know what the money is, but also you have to service the drama. And part of servicing the drama is servicing the budget. Both things are, you know, equally important. So that was one of our questions. Are you given a budget? Are you given a number? 
and then you and the art director come up with a budget in, that well, will include, you know, personnel and rentals and purchases. Sometimes all of that is figured out and sometimes it's not. And I find that uh, the most creative producers that I've ever worked with are the ones who are willing to divide the pie in different ways. If it's a formula to you, you're probably not paying attention to the material. I'll give an example. Uh, Dunstan Checks In. It was my second studio movie for Fox. Uh, Ken Quapis was directing. And they were like, we're going to Dallas. And so you read the script and it says uh, New York at Plaza Hotel. I'm like, Dallas, okay. Rule number one, get the job first. <laughs> and then like, sure, I'll get on the plane. So then we all got on the plane, we went to Dallas and it was like, no, this doesn't work. So let's go to Atlanta. So we go to Atlanta, no, this doesn't work. So I, then I got to go to Chicago, St. Louis, Spokane, never Manhattan, by the way, <laughs> right. where the movie was set. And uh, then it got more ludicrous. They were like, you're going to Salt Lake City and Phoenix. So you go to Salt Lake City, there's one building that could possibly be the hotel that's owned by the Latter-day Saints and like no filming allowed. So we leave there, we go to Phoenix, and there's one big hotel, which happened to be the Frank Lloyd Wright uh, Biltmore Hotel, which I had never been to, which is a stunning piece of architecture, but completely the antithesis of the aesthetic that was laid out in the script. And I walked in that lobby and I realized I knew where to make the movie. And it was at the closed down Bullock's Wilshire because of the riots in Los Angeles, California and the Miracle Mile. And I had shot there before and I knew it was empty. Magnificent deco building, completely empty. So I, I made the phone call back in the days when you could like on the phone on the back of the headrest to the location person flying back to LA orchestrated a scout, got the studio there, like Monday, Tuesday, by Wednesday, we were back in LA making the movie at this location. And what that allowed us to do was we saved money on transportation. We never left that facility. So the, the $250,000 or whatever they had in transportation got to go into the art department. So working with a producer who has that kind of uh, a creative flexibility or mindset is paramount to success, in my opinion. And, and it made uh, that movie happen. That's how we made it happen. I needed that transfer money. <laughs> That's a great story. I love that. The emphasis on creative and financial flexibility and letting the material speak for how to allocate the budget as opposed to going in with some kind of formula. Yes. So can we talk about Get out for a minute. Sure. You production design big comedies in uh, mid-range for studio pictures, like 30 to 80 million. I know that that budget number has gone up, of course, over the years you've been in the business. But Get Out is a $4.5 million budget with 25 shooting days. I know about that. Been there. Uh, tried to do it. Um, how did you pull that off? I have a favorite phrase, which comes from the movie Galaxy Quest. Never give up, never surrender. And I was kind of at a point at that time when I got that call, I, I had interviewed with Blumhouse and really liked them very much. I, I knew the constraints. I, I knew it was hard. But, you know, with them, it's about material. And that material was amazing. And then they said, you're going to Mobile, Alabama. 
And we went there and it was just all wrong. I mean, everything was wrong. The, the environment was wrong. The architecture was wrong. It was not like what I thought the director was looking for. And, and, and a lot of what I do has to involve compromise. Like you have to like figure out a way, you know, to get people to agree upon certain things. Practically speaking, I just would say, or, or even aesthetically, artistically speaking, the house is the anchor. You know, you read the script and you like know that this is a character in the movie. And I could not find that character. I was so frustrated. And like, uh, eventually I got to the point where I, I knew what it was Jordan wanted. You know, we looked at images. He had like an amazing lookbook that was kind of like our Bible. And like, I had those images and great. I, like, I know what they are. Like, I just couldn't find them. And, and I was out scouting. And I like, right until, like we had four weeks of prep and like five weeks of filming. So two weeks into prep, we had found a couple of houses and we were going to have to split the house up. Like it couldn't be all in one house. It had to be in two different houses. And for production, that was just a freaking nightmare. And like, I, you have to be, you know, conscious of those things because you want everybody to succeed. You know, that's the goal. Get to the end line and, and, and have it be right and right for the director. And so I was, I, I wouldn't give up wouldn't surrender. I didn't like Jordan. I could tell he didn't like what the options were. And, and so I would like, let's go out scouting. And like, I, I took the location scout and let's go down that road. Let's go down that road. Let's go. What's down that road. Uh, and I, we went down this road and we came around the corner and just, I had my breath taken away. It was the house. I, and I knew it. Nice. And for a movie that was that low budget, that house was, everything it was critical and and like i and there are different things in the movie but 90 percent of the rest of it had to be in a place that you could work in and also you know we had we had time constraints 25 days um so did you um then fully dress the inside interior and change that yeah. over we had to take everything out but we completely redressed uh, we, we added like one, there, there's a scene where the, there's an office and like the whole, the mom's office, uh, we added these partitions, doors, so that, uh, to make it look like she had a place in the world where she could work, where it was her, or her world, a, a critical dramatic, you know, moment, but all of it was a complete redress, you know, and the, the difficult thing also was the graphics, the, the photos, the family photos, there's a whole section of that, like going on the tour and the history of what the artwork is. And that, that was extremely complicated, you know, uh, you know, for all sorts of reasons, for cast reasons and age reasons. And, you, you know, but those, the, I, I, I guess my blood kind of runs cold every time I hear the word, you know, photo montage or like uh, the camera passes over the mantelpiece that has like the history of the family. Like, oh my God, it's extremely complicated because you, you, you got to make that believable. What advice would you give to production designers on lower budget films? What to prioritize, how to make the most of it on screen? Well, on a really low budget thing, you're probably not building very much. So your location is critical. It's got to be right. Like, I love the concept of like, oh, let's go into this house and pull everything out and repaint and re-wallpaper and then we'll put it all back, blah, blah, blah. That's not what it's like. I mean, it, it's got to it's gotta be a lot there. You know, 
part of being a production designer is you have to understand the, the pragmatic restrictions of reality. And like uh, there have been times in my career, I suppose, when I was younger, like I didn't care about parking, but like uh, <laughs> but parking is like, you, you work in LA, man, you're not shooting there if you can't park right. the trucks. You know, right. you're like, you're just right. like, uh, so you have to be conscious of all these things. And it kind of has like a, a little checklist. But I think uh, the most important thing is that it like checks your aesthetic list and also that you can work in it. It's another 25 day marriage. You know, you gotta like find a place that's gonna allow you to do what you need to do, whatever is required by the script. And location is important. It's everything. What was it like working with Jordan Peele, who was a first time director on Get Out? Tell us about that collaboration. Uh, it's funny, I never thought of him as a first time director. I mean, he just was so together. He had like massive storyboards and references and conceptual stuff and and just like so pleasant and super smart and, you know, and talented, like, uh, you know, people who are like that. It's an amazing thing to encounter. And so that was not the problem. For me, the problem was I felt like I wasn't satisfying him. You know, I felt like I wasn't delivering the vision that he had laid out for me. And so that made it really hard and he always he knew what he wanted his calm his resolve his like vision like, i just cannot say enough amazing things about that person jordan peele is a genius that's great jay roach is a director you worked with on four different projects what about that relationship worked so well why do you think he kept calling you back well my history with jay started early on in my career he was doing an independent film and they wanted somebody who had a theatrical background. And so I got to go meet with him and uh, we really hit it off. It's one of those things where you're in the interview and you realize here's another human being. He's a great guy. You know, a lot of it is like, uh, you know, it's getting married. You got to get on, you know, you, you got to make sure you're on the same page and just can't say enough wonderful things about Jay Roach. He's just brilliant. Amazing. One of the movies you did with Jay was Meet the Parents. A lot of people might not know about how you approached the house location for the project. You ended up building the whole thing, basically, right? <laughs> That's a good story, too. So we found a house, a great house, actually in Oyster Bay, Long Island. So we designed the entire stage set around this house, and it was probably two weeks prior to filming, she pulled out. Oh, no. The, the, the homeowner, the, oh, the mom, no. got cold feet. But the stage set was already in progress. The house was under construction. So, you know, we, we did have option A, B, and C. So we had to go to option B, which was fully half the size of the house and, and figure out, you know, how to do it. Like we shot, Peter James was the uh, cinematographer. We shot low angle, wide angle lenses to make it look bigger. And then we added a whole back porch. We had to add dormer windows onto the back, you know, which had all the drama, like of him kicking the cat off the roof or, or, or like catching the thing on fire. I mean, we just had to adapt, you know, change a few windows, change a thing, few things here to like make it all work together. But um, that's the kind of stuff though that happens. You gotta roll with the punches. That's key. You gotta bob and weave, you know, that's what you have to do. I love it, man. 
Well, Rusty, we've reached the point on the show where we do our Abby Singer segment. Do you have a story that you'd like to share that you feel kind of represents something unique about your job or your department or captures a lesson learned from your work? So here's my little story. Uh, when I got into the Austin Powers thing, the second one, we took it to the next level. And uh, I was a big James Bond fan like huge and like I grew up on all those movies and like and so so did Mike Mike Myers uh you know he created that whole thing and so it's all about homage and Mike is incredibly demanding and uh uh you know very specific and has to be shown like a lot of options there's a lot of creativity going on there and we get to the third one and it's all about the evil guy's lair you know, like what is the what is the big uh, climax? It was supposed to be uh, oil platform, and I had about like four or five months to think about it. Like I was on another show, and like I did all this research. And then we get closer, and we're in production, and then um, and Mike was like, "No, oil platform is stationary. He's got to be moving, like uh, uh, inside of a freighter." And then it's like, "Oh, well, Doctor Evil's on a freighter," and then we started drawing it. All these designs, everything was in progress, like it had been drawn. And it was about ready to be like really fully executed. And we got called into the office. Mike sits us all down and keeps us there until like 10 o'clock at night. And he keeps flipping through the second movie, which I had designed. And like, look at that. Look at that. We have to be as funny as we were the last time. And he's like, the freight thing is it's just not funny. And Jay is in the corner of the room. And Jay says, well could be a submarine and I and my son uh, Jackson who was like very young at the time were obsessed with submarines and I said my son is gonna love this I think that's a great idea it could breach and slam down and then Mike looked at me and I was very close to him and he said shaped like Dr. Evil and he put his finger up to his mouth I'll never forget <laughs> that as long as I live I was like yes you know, this is creativity. This is what it's all about. That's what we're doing. We're changing. We're making a freaking submarine now. So I go to the art department. I'm all jazzed and I'm all excited. I'm like, guys, guys, we're changing everything. It's a, it's a submarine. Dead silent. <laughs> Dead silent. They were so angry. They were so upset with me. And I'm like, this is what we do. But, you know, I coined a phrase on that show, which is change is the order. Change is what we do. We adjust. We adapt. That's how we create. I love that. Just the passion, the willingness to adapt and to to change to make the best movie together. I've seen that in, in every answer and every story you've told. I love it. And isn't it the, the greatest thing when, like you said, you, you're sitting there and somebody says one thing and then others begin building on it it's that is the funnest moments to me in film production breathtaking i'm just you know happy to be in the room fantastic rusty as a parting thought is there anything we haven't talked about that you feel is important to understanding how the production designer and the entire art department work together <laughs> well the most important thing is to not lose your sense of humor <laughs> absolutely i, I mean the producer who brought me to this project taught me this phrase, which I love, which is the world according to my department. And uh, like, 
I, that's all fine for you stunt guys, but what I really care about is the drapery, you know. So it, it uh, it's it's not like that. It, you you have to you have to think globally. You have to be appreciative of all the aspects of making a movie in order to get what you want, which is ultimately not what you want. It's got to be what the director wants. You know, you got to get that on screen. You know, be willing to compromise, but be willing to fight the good fight, fight the good fight. And that ties right into never give up, never surrender. You know, these are all important phrases and, and they're, they're true probably in life and politics and certainly in art and certainly in what I do. That's wonderful. Thanks so much. Guys, this has been such a great conversation. Rusty, we can't thank you enough for being a guest on the podcast. Good luck on all your current projects and we look forward to talking again soon. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. For our bonus segment today, we're going to talk to Rusty about the history of the title Production Designer. To get that bonus segment and more, you can check out our website at callsheetshow.com bonus. And that's Taillights, folks, on another episode of Call Sheet. This show is brought to you by Elgin Entertainment. It is produced and hosted by Kiku Terasaki and me, Bryce Sirier, with support from our associate producer, Nathaniel Duber. I'm also the editor of the show, and our theme music is by Robert Mai. Our guest today was production designer Rusty Smith. We talked about maximizing production design on a low budget, including what to prioritize when location scouting, hiring your crew, and collaborating with producers and directors. Thanks again, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and keep coming back for more. I'd just like to remind you, if you'd be so kind, please share the show with a friend or colleague and take just one minute to leave us a review in whatever podcast app you use. We really appreciate your feedback and support. Also, if you want to suggest a topic that you'd like to hear discussed in a future episode, please send it in. You can email us at callsheetpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media at callsheetshow. You should also check out our website for the latest content and news. That's callsheetshow.com. There are links to all of that and additional resources in this episode's show notes, so be sure to check those out. Remember to stay tuned for new episodes of Call Sheet every Thursday morning. And in the meantime, good luck and go make it happen.